You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Oh, we have an exciting episode for the Paracast this week, and we'll introduce our guests in a few moments. They are champing at the bit right now. In fact, I talked with one of our guests just a short while ago, and we'll tell you about that conversation because it has some interesting news. In the meantime, one of the things that Chris and I have not done as often as we should is talk to those of you who are listening to the Paracast for the very first time, or maybe you started listening a few months ago and you don't get the lay of the land yet. And I think the mistake, Chris, and maybe you'll agree with me here, is that sometimes what we do is we think about the listeners who've been around for a while and not the ones who don't know all the players and don't know the inside baseball. What do you think? I, I agree, and I think it's important for our newest uh, listeners out there who maybe aren't quite as up to speed to do your research and really find out about some of the personalities that we have on the show. Get yourself educated as to the width and breadth of the phenomena that we cover on the show. It's really difficult, I think, for some of our newer listeners to keep up, and we're going to make a real concerted effort for you know our newbies out there to uh, to kind of stop our guests and have them digress a little bit and give a little background about cases that they're talking about that maybe uh, most of us know about, but some of us don't. We're going to try to shoot a little bit lower in the common denominator area a little bit for our, some of our newer, uh, fresher listeners. Now, the point is here, it's not saying that a new listener, because you are a new listener, you're not as intelligent, you're not as observing as our existing listeners. It's just you have to start somewhere. Now, one feature we've added to our forums, which is new, so you won't see much in there right now. We have a forum at theparacast.com slash forum or forum.theparacast.com. This is a place for listeners to interact. And it's a place also where we talk about things, not just about the paranormal, but about politics, about culture, about music. And we have a new feature called book reviews. And right now it's just being populated. But over the next few months, people will be adding their own book reviews. And you can yourself. This is a user-generated book review section. Maybe I'll contribute, maybe Chris will, but anyone who's a member of the Paracast forums, you can put your own reviews there. It's very simple to do. So we suggest that that's a way you will learn about interesting books that maybe we won't be getting to on the Paracast or we'll be getting to in the future. But the place to interact with our guest is something called the Question Bank. As soon as we know that we're going to have a guest or guests on the show, what we do is we post a thread in the Question Bank that allows you to ask questions of our guests. It's a great way to interact because we're not a live show. It's a great way to interact and find out specific information from a guest that normally you would be able to call into a show if it was live. Since we're not live and we do tape the show, this is a way for you to get your questions answered. And the other thing is here, even if we were live, there'd be a question whether we should take live calls without specially curating the calls because you'll get very cogent comments and then a few wackos will join in. And I'll try to start trouble. And it's easier if we have something written in advance, we can look over the questions. And we're not going to censor them. We're just going to make sure that we ask real questions and not just somebody who is saying a few things just for the heck of it. Maybe in the future we will do live calls. That's how it works now. So it's forum.theparacast.com. And you go to the question bank. You don't have to be a member, by the way, to see the contents of the forum. Just click on the question bank. You'll see the threads or topics to a specific guest, and we'll stick 
the ones in the sticky threads area that relate to the guest that's going to be interviewed. Another thing, too, Gene, about our forum is we have a lot of really gracious posters. You know, from time to time, uh, people who are new to the field come in and, you know, ask probing questions uh, to get themselves up to speed. And I must say, we do have a lot of gracious posters who are willing to to take someone uh, who's maybe not as up to speed along and educate them. So this is a really good resource uh, for our newest listeners out there who really want to get more of a sense of the field and the history and the, uh, the just kaleidoscopic elements that uh, these phenomena tend to present us. And the thing you should remember, too, here is that it has believers. It has skeptics. It has people in the middle, the great gray middle of a point of view. So, therefore... If you believe or disbelieve or you're skeptical about a guest, don't be afraid to talk about it. Sometimes they get a little bit ornery in these forums. We try to control that. But just be aware of that, that the restrictions in language that are part and parcel of mainstream radio are not necessarily present in a forum. So we allow a little bit more freedom there because the FCC is not curating our forums, and therefore that's how it goes. Again, it's forum.theparacast.com couple of other things quickly. If you want to check us out on Facebook, there is a Paracast fan club and a Paracast group. We have to figure a way to combine the two on Facebook. My name on Facebook is Gene Steinberg. If you want to send us a tweet, you go to the Paracast on Twitter. And now those of you who use the new Macs and Apple's coming out with a new operating system and the mobile devices, the iPad, the iPhone, Apple is integrating Twitter and now Facebook in everything. So there's no excuse not to interact with us that way. But today we have two guests who have been on the show separately and equally, and now they'll be here together. And the subject is disclosure. Is there such a thing? Is it possible in the UFO field to actually disclose what's going on? Will the government tell us what they know? Do they know anything worth telling? The guests are Richard Dolan. Of course, he's written the UFOs and National Security State books. And we also have Bryce Zabel. He was producer of a TV show called Dark Skies, which was a TV show back in the 90s. It got quite a bit of response, and we may have some new developments to report in the future about Dark Skies, and Bryce will tell us about that. They came together to talk about disclosure in a book called After Disclosure. And the tenet of the book is, okay, the government of the United States, Great Britain, wherever, says we're being visited by E.T. How do we fend for ourselves? Now, understand Chris and I over the years have been somewhat skeptical about the prospects for disclosure. Somewhat skeptical? (laughs) I am understating, my friend. I I had to throw that in, Gene. It's kind of like, when do you think it's going to happen? And I'll give you the reason why I've been skeptical, is we've been looking for so-called disclosure in the UFO field for many, many years. Back in the early 1950s, Major Donald Kehoe, former Marine Corps major, retired, wrote several books about UFOs, including one called The Flying Saucer Conspiracy, where he said the government, the U.S. government, knew the truth about UFOs, that they were real, that they were interplanetary or interstellar, And he wanted them to tell the truth. He figured we could stand it. But you know what? In 2012, it's not happening. Will it ever happen? Chris, did you ever believe disclosure was possible? Yes, I did. Back when I first started uh, actively investigating out in the field, dovetailing my efforts with other researchers back in the early 90s, 
when I didn't know better. I thought that, yes, the government uh, knew all the secrets and we're getting ready to come forward and spill the beans after 60 years. And fairly quickly, I realized that that was probably not very likely. And as the years have gone on, I've become less and less, uh, more and more convinced that it's not going to happen. Let's put it that way. That which was unlikely now becomes almost impossible, huh? Exactly. And, and we're going to talk about this with Rich and Bryce, I'm sure. Exactly. You know, the prospects, not just the reality. And then it's the question of if the government has guilty knowledge that they've been keeping all these decades, any government around the world. Oh, yeah. How do we persuade them to tell us what they know? I don't know. Maybe give them a noogie? Well, a petition won't help. There was a petition sent to President Obama, and some third assistant flunky from his office says, well, there's no evidence that UFOs are spaceships. Goodbye. Now, they tried a second petition. I don't know if it's been submitted yet. But the problem with these things is you don't have much time to screw up. So the first petition doesn't make it. Don't think they're going to pay much mind to the second petition. The book is After Disclosure. The authors are Richard Dolan and Bryce Abel. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Hey, neighbors. Summer's coming. That means many of us will be spending more time working from home or while traveling. So getting everyone together to a meeting may just be an impossible task. But not if you have GoToMeeting with HD Faces by Citrix. You know, GoToMeeting lets you host meetings with clients and colleagues face-to-face, all while online, no matter where they are. You know, our listeners can try GoToMeeting with HD Faces free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com. Click the Try It Free button. Use the promo code PODCAST. GoToMeeting.com. The promo code is PODCAST. Download free app. And one more thing. You know, GoToMeeting is giving away eight new iPads on Facebook. All you have to do is visit Facebook and like the GoToMeeting page. Then you can enter to win a new iPad and tell your friends to do the same thing. If they win the iPad, by the way, so will you. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. 
Emergency Essentials has Mountain House deals in June. Going on now, Emergency Essentials, the 24-year leader in emergency preparedness supplies, does it again with up to 25% off Mountain House foods. Don't miss these savings. All Mountain House number 10 cans are 20 to 25% off during the month of June only at BePrepared.com. Mountain House foods have superior taste and a scientifically proven 25-year shelf life because they start with fresh or frozen foods, then cook, prepare, and finally freeze-dry them. All the goodness, flavor, and taste are locked in as if handmade from scratch. Mountain House, the same great meals enjoyed by campers and outdoorsmen the world over. Hurry, now through June 30th. Call 800-999-1863 to experience exceptional customer service and the BePrepared.com low price guarantee. That's 800-999-1863. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com. So you don't want to carry a gun, but you do want to ensure your personal safety. Then empower yourself legally with self-defense products from StunGunMikes.com. Stun guns come in more shapes than just what you see on TV. Now you can get a powerful mini stun gun that fits in the palm of your hand, a stun baton, or a cell phone or lipstick stun gun. StunGunMikes.com also carries real spy gear like bug and metal detectors and discreet car and home security cameras that hide in almost any type of everyday object, from alarm clocks to pens. Now you can see how your babysitter really treats your children. Go to StunGunMikes.com, spelled just like it sounds. StunGunMikes.com Buy real spy gear from StunGunMikes.com just like the exact same spy gear sold to the government, military, corporate security, law enforcement, and private detectives. Empower yourself with self-defense products now from StunGunMikes.com We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com that's news at theparacast.com and if you'd like to catch up on past episodes we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com that's theparacast.com or check us out at iTunes Okay, for the past 10 minutes, ladies and gentlemen, we've been debating who is going to say our closing stinger of the PowerCast. And I have to think when I talk about this is that Chris and I and our guests, Richard Dolan and Bryce Zabel, are all in separate locations. And there's an old story back in the 40s when the movie comedians Abbott and Costello were popular. For one year, they couldn't stand each other, so they would not appear on the screen together. They'd have to, I guess, shoot their segments separately. And maybe that was with Martin and Lewis back in the 50s. I don't know. But everybody here is together with one uniform connection. And we'll be talking soon and updating about after disclosure, whether any progress has been made towards that, and the feeling about, well, with disclosure, what's the impact of society? How is society prepared to cope with it? But one of the things you want to mention here is as you know, those of you who heard the previous appearance with Bryce Sable, he was producer of a TV show in 1996 and 1997 for NBC called Dark Skies. Now, NBC has done a lot of screwy things over the years, and number one of which is to cancel really good shows, of which this is one of them. Bryce, is there any possibility in the era of reboots that there could be a reboot of Dark Skies? 
I hope so. Uh, I'd certainly am doing what I can to encourage that thinking. But, you know, the fact that NBC canceled a good show doesn't put them alone. Lots of networks have canceled lots of good shows over the years, and they'll continue to do it because it's, it's you know, it's a subjective reality, not an objective reality. Uh, different different shows work for different people. But to answer your question, I got a little hot under the collar a few weeks ago when someone sent me a URL that said uh, Dimension Films is planning to shoot a film that this summer about alien abductions and they were going to call it dark skies and that seemed to me like a reach too far i don't technically own dark skies even though i created it with brent friedman sony television and sony studios owns it so i've alerted sony that uh, they should actually use it or lose it and that uh I believe they should put Dark Skies back into development for either a reboot as a television series or as a feature film franchise. We're actually in discussions about how they might want to protect their brand because Dark Skies, uh, thanks to the 2011 DVD release, has become a brand once again thanks to that ability of people to be able to sit down and watch all of it over a long weekend if they want to. So, yeah, I think there's a possibility. I'm exploring it. Uh, there's a Facebook page dedicated to show that people are interested in it, and we'll see. Now, one of the things about titles, can you copyright a title? No, like not necessarily. Sure. But where it does get a little hinky is where someone else has a – like you you say you can't copyright a title. Well, if that's the case, why don't uh, the four of us who are on this call right now produce a film called Avatar 2? I mean you can't copyright a title, right? You can Obviously, trademark it, though. You, you yeah, there are different the things that people can do with titles. So I'm, I'm just – my point is it's not an absolute, and it depends on how it's being used, etc. The fact that someone else would do a Dark Skies about alien abductions is a little too close to the bone, I would think, for Sony lawyers to want to tolerate. So I've tried to alert them to that and to the fact that Brent Friedman and myself would be happy to uh, reboot the series in film or television, let the lawyers sort out who owns what title or how it – it, it might work, but more to use it as a springboard, if you will, for a discussion about whether this brand, which basically says that all of uh, our modern history has been influenced by the UFO secret, that's a pretty strong brand, and I'd like to keep it alive, and I think it's more relevant today than ever, especially given what Rich and I are here to talk to you about. Absolutely, and the place is called Dark Skies UFO on Facebook. So you go to facebook.com slash Dark Skies UFO. As we speak, there are 2,239 likes. Not bad for a page that two weeks ago had 500. Uh, I basically threw the gauntlet down, if you will, to fans and said, look, before I call Sony to alert them to all this, it would be nice if you would show whatever support you have. And they took that page from, you know, a respectable and nice little home of 500 to a pretty thriving, vibrant community of 2,500. I think that shows something, and we'll, we'll see. I'm rooting for you. Thanks. I appreciate that. And, and I would only ask that anyone who listens to this, when they go there and take a look at – you can simply just uh, go to Facebook and look up Dark Skies, and you'll find the page. I'd love it if people go there and actually like it, because those are the numbers that uh, bean counters are going to look at. You talk about people canceling things. Obviously, the bottom liners look at numbers. They look at Nielsen numbers. They look at Facebook likes, all that kind of stuff. So it's always to your advantage to drive those numbers up, and I hope that your listeners will help me do that. And remember, it was the fans who 
brought back the original Star Trek for final season in the days before there was social networking. It's very possible. You know, we live, uh, let me just wrap it up this way and say that we live in a time, what with shows like yours, with the way that Rich and I have uh, produced and and also publicized our current book, AD After Disclosure, how Dark Skies was able to come back, say, as a a DVD, and now people that never saw it before are able to see it. We just live in a time where the rules are changing and being reinvented. And that is uh, disturbing on some levels because the old rules don't apply and it's hard to uh, make plans. But on another level, it's very exciting because it means that things that might have been just too impossible before are now wholly possible. And I think that is a great place to be operating from. Well, as someone who's created with my son our own science fiction series in terms of literary series, I'm all for this. More the merrier. And we hope that you and Sony can work something out here for a reboot for Dark Skies. Thanks so much. Richard Dolan, you were busy working on UFOs in the National Security State, and you took kind of a segue to work with Bryce on After Disclosure. How did this come about? Yeah, that's interesting, Gene. This was in the late, late part of 2009. I got a phone call from Bryce. I, I didn't know who he was, really. I, all I knew was I remembered Dark Skies. But Bryce called me. Really, initially, we we were talking about him working off of the uh, histories that I had already written and maybe doing a kind of TV treatment or some kind of uh, film or video treatment of that work itself. And what we really discovered quickly is that through the early part of 2010, we had a lot of conversations and they, they morphed a bit. And we discovered that we both had an interest in this whole topic of disclosure, which, of course, for the past five, ten years has gotten a hold over a lot of ufology. It's very much being discussed by a lot of, by a lot of people. And we thought we had uh, a, a different idea. We thought we had something original to contribute to this uh, emerging discussion. And that is really to try to, to think about what, what would happen if this event that so many people have been wanting for, myself included, Bryce included, actually were to occur. So how would the world be rocked by a true end to UFO secrecy? And that really... That germinated in the spring of 2010, and it really wasn't a very long period of time between when we, we decided, all right, let's, let's do this, and then when we mapped out the, the project and then just wrote it. I mean, we wrote, we really started out of the gate, I would say in April, early April 2010. We mapped the whole thing out at that time and created a sort of division of labor. Basically, it would be like, okay, you're working on Chapter 6, I'll look at Chapter 2 this week, and we'll come back to each other. We'll go into the labor separation. We'll separate lots of things in a moment. With Gene and Chris, we have Richard Dolan and Bryce Sable. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. Fake 
magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Love gardening but don't love seeing your hard work destroyed by wildlife? Then use the number one most effective deer and rabbit repellent you can buy, PlantSkid. PlantSkid repellent protects gardens, trees, and landscaping by emitting an odor that browsing animals associate with predators. So animals avoid plants before they nibble, not after. PlantSkid is made in the U.S. from non-toxic, 100% organic, environment, and pet-friendly ingredients. Other repellents wash off in the rain. Not PlantSkid. It's guaranteed to outlast all other repellents. PlantSkid was the first animal repellent to be OMRI listed organic and now comes in liquid spray, powder concentrate, or easy-to-use granular. Just sprinkle around your garden. For proven protection from deer, rabbits, squirrels, and other small rodents, use PlantSkid. Member tested and recommended by the National Home Gardening Club. Find a dealer near you at PlantSkid.com. That's PlantSkydd.com. Ask about our new vole repellent when you call 800-252-6051. That's 800-252-6051. PlantSkid, proven plant protection, guaranteed or your money back. If you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me. Richard Dolan, Bryce Sable joining us together. They wrote a book called After Disclosure. And as we broke, Rich was telling us 
about how they divided up the work process, who got which chapter, and who was going to do which type of coverage. Now, in terms of separating the workload, how did you feel in terms of topics who would get what? Well, you know, initially we thought, well, there are certain topics that would naturally go to, to each one of us. And we can go over that. But really what happened in practice is that Bryce would start a particular chapter or I would start a particular chapter and come up with a couple of thousand words and then really hand it over to the other guy who would then have his own thing to add. And, and we ended up editing and adding to the entire work as a whole. So there may be certain chapters that might be 60% me and other chapters that might be 60% Bryce. But really, when we got to the end of the process, we both realized that we had a difficult time when we reviewed the actual writing, like who, who actually wrote that paragraph or that sentence. And in fact, the answer frequently was what well, we really both did. We both did. So, yeah. No, I was just going to say, Gene, what we did is we did this whole process through Google Docs because Rich lives in New York and I live in California. So us actually physically being together for the length of time that would be necessary to write a book of of this magnitude just wasn't going to happen physically. So it had to happen virtually. And what we ended up doing, I've always written like this with any writing partners where you write on top of each other. One guy takes a pass at something and the other guy edits it. And that works as long as you both trust each other. And Rich and I quickly got to the place where that's exactly how we feel. I I feel like anything of mine that he touches is going to be better. And I, I hope he feels the same way. And so what we did is we just uh, kept plowing the field, if you will, and uh, and now it's true. I I actually sat down uh, a couple of weeks ago and read the version of AD After Disclosure that is now out in all the bookstores nationwide. Uh, and by the way, it's being featured in Barnes & Noble for the month of June and July on their new and noteworthy table, which means when you walk into a Barnes & Noble, supposedly you're to find a copy of AD After Disclosure there. Excellent. Which is, is terrific news, and we're very, we feel very validated by that. And so I, I literally as I was reading that book that's in those Barnes & Nobles, I started to just realize that we have been through it enough times and in enough different ways that it's really one of those glorious byproducts of collaboration yeah. where both guys kind of say, yeah, that's our book, and that's how absolutely, I feel. Absolutely right, yeah. It, it was a great collaboration, and I have to say, you know, looking at, at it from my point of view too, there's no way I would have been able alone to do this kind of a book, and I'm sure Bryce feels the same way from his point of view. We really each had a, a key thing to contribute to it. And it's a product that uh, I think we're both happy with. And and the other thing that I would just add is writing the book was a, a really great adventure because here's where I really think we had something to contribute. Uh, as I said, I mean, a lot of people have been talking about disclosure uh, and the need to end secrecy. But you know, from my point of view, a lot of it just seems so utopian and wide-eyed and naive, like, oh, yeah, disclosure is going to solve every single problem. We'll make the deserts bloom. I've heard that one how many times. And all of these other issues that we all, I think, who've studied this problem can recognize that UFO secrecy is probably a bad thing. I mean, I've argued that it's been a bad thing for our society for a long time. I, I believe in truth. But then when you get past that, you ask yourself, okay, well, let's bring the secret out. What then? We found that really no one was having this discussion. No one was really having a sophisticated, intelligent discussion about what actually would happen. Not make-believe stuff, but real stuff. And so we, we tried to puzzle that out. And now, that's the point out. I wanted to ask you about, Rich and Bryce, and that is here. Obviously, 
in every other case we talk about disclosure, even from the days of Major Donald Kehoe, very little is said about the ramifications, the methodology of disclosure and the ramifications if it happens. Honestly, what we did is we wrote the book that we wanted to read. We looked around at what was out there and nobody had written this book. So we said, I guess we have to do it. And we approached it from the point of view, almost like we were writing the Rand Corporation presentation about how disclosure could possibly come down so that decision makers could think about it, which, as Rich pointed out, created probably the most fascinating collaboration I've ever been a part of. And I've been a part of some really great ones that I'm very proud of. But this one was really interesting because the topic was so fascinating to ask. We kept asking ourselves, not what are the blue sky things? What are the things that everyone affirms about it every time they talk about disclosure? But what would it look like? And could we actually make that specific? And would we be daring enough to make it specific? Because the problem with being specific, of course, is that the second you say something that's very clear and clean, somebody else can say, well, I don't agree with that at all. And we made uh, our minds up early on to take a lot of risks in this book for the simple reason that we felt that the book was really a starter of a global discussion, if anything, and that it was important to have people like it or not like it, but talk about it, because we were not actually talking about how the world's going to look in any of these other books. And now I think we've accomplished that, and I'm relatively pleased at the response that most people have had, which is, you don't have to agree with 100% of what's in this book, but you will see the reason we did it the way we did it, which is to take very specific stands. And I'll just give you one very specific stand. We asked ourselves, okay, well, people are always talking about the president disclosing. Will it be the president? Well, we don't necessarily think it will be, and we can get into that more later if you want to. But we thought if a president was going to make, a U.S. president was going to make a disclosure statement, we asked ourselves, when would it be? And we came up with a very specific prediction that if someone is going to disclose UFO ET reality in a, in a presidential setting, it would probably be on a Friday afternoon after 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. After the news cycle, as they say. And the stock market's closed. Right. And the other question, of course, is would it come from the president of the United States? Would it come from the secretary general of the United Nations? Would they fight over who has a chance to make that revelation? Because I assume that lots of governments would share this. There's no way the United States would know everything and no other government on the planet would not have some inkling of what this is all about. Conversely, maybe some other government may have come up with something. So that would be part of it. Now, the question that comes across here is you wrote the book and you said, well, this consider what the Rand Corporation would do as kind of a guidepost towards how to handle disclosure. Do you think that any government is smart enough to have a document like that already under wraps yes, guiding I their process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I don't think that they're about to uh, let you and me read it. Uh, I think that I think it's probably eyes only for a certain select group of people. But if you let me just put it this way, if you were sitting on a secret of this magnitude for over six decades going on seven now and you hadn't taken the time to write what happens if this management of the secret falls apart for reasons that we may or may not be able to predict, how would we handle that? If you didn't come up with that plan, you wouldn't be doing your job very well. So intuitively, I just say there has to be one of those. I think, Rich, you, I think you mm-hmm. agree with that, right? 
Well, I do. And I would just add, uh, in my uh, research, I've personally spoken to two individuals, very high, highest level types of individuals who have said exactly this to me, that essentially there is a review every certain number of years. One said every five or 10 years, and another one said more or less the same thing. In fact, one of them told me that he had been part of a re- such a review process at one point. Uh, this, is, this is years ago. And, and in fact, one thing that he mentioned to me, and this really stuck with me, was that he said there are a lot of people who review this who actually do believe that there needs to be an end to secrecy at some point. The problem is all of the the little sticky normal, the, the ramifications, like legal ramifications. A lot of people were terrified of lawsuits. I mean, purely mundane types of considerations when you get right down it. When you compare to the presence of superhuman extraterrestrial visitors, maybe that might be telepathic and super intelligent. But the, these guys, one of their key worries was lawsuits. <laughs> uh, well, some lawyers are going to love to take that on. I'll tell you, I want to ask you about the lawsuits, but also about controlling the secret. How do you do it in a day and right. age when we talk about White House leaks in the major papers? Bryce Abel right. and Richard Dolan join Gene and Chris. You're in. Rich, do it. Uh, the Paracast. Very nice. <laughs> The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo Tote Bag... All sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children. Stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. For a long time, you've heard me talk about building your own food supply with eFoods Direct. As a listener, you know why you need to have a supply of the best storable food on the planet. Every day, we document the attempts to take control of our lives. But there's one thing we can all control. Your greatest dependency, food. eFoods Direct products are made with only the best ingredients and none of the trash and contaminants like trans fats, GMOs, or MSG. This food is nutrient-dense and tastes great. It's simple to make, portable, and has a shelf life of up to 25 years. Now with eFoods Direct, you'll get the most affordable, best-tasting food you can buy. To celebrate the beginning of summer, you can save 20% off their already affordable prices. This offer ends on June 20th, so take advantage of the summer savings now. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex for specials. Don't let this offer pass you by. Call 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. More the best for less guaranteed. 
Survival is not about the end of the world. It's not about a hypothetical plane crash or the latest violet storm. Survival is about the satisfaction of knowing you can take care of yourself and your family in any situation, anytime, anywhere. CampingSurvival.com was started in 1956. No, not the .com part, the survival part. CampingSurvival.com has over 17,000 urban, wilderness, and preparedness items. Supreme customer service. Very low shipping and no games. We look around to make sure we have the lowest prices. And CampingSurvival.com is 100% USMC veteran-owned. Don't base your survival on the latest spring-up on the Internet company. Do business with an authority on survival. CampingSurvival.com. Use coupon code GCN at checkout and CampingSurvival.com will take 5% off your order. CampingSurvival.com. Confidence born of preparation. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. 37 things to hoard. Do you have the 37 crucial food items you can't survive without? When disaster hits and mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves, your family may be without food or waiting in long food lines. Prepare now at 123survivalplan.com. That's 123survivalplan.com. Many people don't have these 37 food items. Learn what you need to hoard now at 123survivalplan.com. Watch the video over 1 million people of you to discover the 37 food items that will sell out first when disaster strikes at 123survivalplan.com. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? We have Bryce Abel, Richard Dolan, authors of After Disclosure, with Gene and Chris and the Paracast. And one of the issues, of course, is the outgrowth of disclosure. And this is something that hasn't been discussed, which is the legal ramifications So we know that lawyers will find any way they can to make a living. I wouldn't make it a pejorative even about lawyers. I would just say modern society is as technical and as complicated as it is, needs vehicles that allow people to work out their problems. And when disclosure happens, in whatever form it happens, whether it's forced disclosure or planned disclosure, it's going to throw a lot of things out there that have to be worked on. Uh, and They'll end up in court. Most things end up in court in our modern society. We have a whole lengthy part of the book that is about this. i give you an example. Uh, one thing that's clearly going to have to end up in, in court is what about a pilot who saw a UFO, who reports it, who then finds himself grounded for years and his career materially affected, and then disclosure happens, he's going to file a lawsuit to find out if the people who downgraded his flight status also knew about the reality of UFOs. Because if they did, then they, they damaged this man, and you bet he'll sue. So just one example. The other example might be, for example, say the family of Thomas Mantell. Allegedly, he dies while chasing a UFO. We can say maybe it wasn't a UFO. Maybe it was Venus or a skyhook balloon. Whatever it is, someone in that situation where somebody is injured or somebody 
is killed because of their checking into a UFO case. Although sure. most of those legal things, there's statute of limitations and also that he was working for the government. So Mantell, we, we actually handle this case very directly. We believe that probably in the year or so after disclosure, there will be a move to give Mantell the, his proper military due for having died you know, in a combat mission, in, in essence, instead of just being a crazy guy that couldn't tell Venus in the night sky. But from a statute of limitations point of view, he probably doesn't have action, neither do his, his, uh, heir, his, uh, his family. But a lot of people who are currently alive do have courses of action. Well, regarding the legal issues, I think uh, at least as fundamentally, more fundamentally, is going to be the problem of just political outrage over the secrecy itself. And there's going to be a lot of angry citizens. So you'll have a situation where, you know, I mean, let's just back up a little bit, because people who believe that why would the secret even come out at anyway? After all, that it's been pretty effectively contained for, let's say, about 70 years now, about one human lifetime when you get right down to it. And although there have been leaks, and although there's been issues involved in this secret where this has come out and that's come out, essentially it's still held. And so the argument would be, well, why do you even think this is going to come out? And uh, and then but, – but when it comes out, it's going to be very explosive. We Incidentally, we believe it's going to come out because – we're in an absolutely revolutionary era, and, and to expect things to stay exactly as they are indefinitely, I think, is ridiculous. This is not 1950. It's not even 1990. We're in an era where we've got mass communications that we could never have imagined. WikiLeaks, I think that phenomenon is going to be very significant. So when this comes out, when, when the president, let's say, is forced to reveal something about this, because that's the only way it's going to happen is when they're forced to do it, there's going to be a lot of people asking a basic question. After the fundamental, like, are we safe? Who are these other guys? They're going to ask, how have you kept this secret all these years? What does that say about the corrupt nature of our society that you've kept this from our media, our mainstream media, our political system, our uh, academic institutions, our scientific community? People are going to want to know just exactly how this structure of secrecy operates. And that is a, a key area where lawsuits, class action lawsuits, are going to be scary. And not just lawsuits, but congressional hearings, because Congress will be forced into looking into this. They may not want to, but they're going to have to do it. So, I mean, when we're talking legal ramifications, we're talking about the whole structure of society in many ways is going to be up for grabs in terms of this. It's yeah, going to be a mess. class action suit of, abdu of abductees. Yeah, well, right. that's part of it right there, certainly. But the other question I would have to ask here is keeping the secret. Now, we have a situation now, of course, where the U.S. Congress is investigating, along with the Attorney General and special U.S. attorneys, whether there have been significant leaks about our current military actions with regard to the war on terror. Now, the question I have is, if this secret is being kept, that decision would have been made in, what, the late 1940s. How do you keep a secret like that for so many years, changes in administration, changes in Congress, changes right. in the personnel and the military and the intelligence agencies. How do you do it, man? Well, one of the ideas that we believe is actually probably close to truth is the concept that the secrecy has become privatized to a large extent, not a total extent. Uh, but think of it this way. Look at a U.S. president. He's, he's in for four years, maybe eight. Okay, You've got bureaucracies that run 
with lifetimers that are in. You've got an intelligence community that's uh, littered with special access programs that, as far as anyone can tell, have little to no effective oversight, not, not even by their own uh, departments, whether it's the Navy or Army, much less Congress. So you've got these agencies and groups that just go, they do their own thing, with apparently really no effective guidance from the office of the White House. After all, the president's got to kiss the babies. He's got to shake the hands of the diplomats. He's got all these things to do. So he doesn't know. He doesn't know what's going on, and they're not going to tell him unless there was a need to know. Correct. It's almost like the film Independence Day, where the U.S. president in that film is put in a position where he says there's no Area 51, and then his secretary of defense or something says... That's uh, not exactly true. <laughs> right. Well, let's rewind the clock to the late 1940s and just look at this as it probably evolved historically. So, like, you've got Harry Truman and you've got his top guys around him. And one of them comes to the president and informs him, you know, sir, we have recovered technology that does not appear to have been manufactured by human hands, human civilization. So let's just assume that, like, Roswell happened. Many of us believe it. I believe it. Bryce believes it. Let me ask um, you parenthetically, do you believe in Aztec? Well, I'm very excited about the Aztec case now. I'm, I'm friends with Scott Ramsey, who just recently, along with his wife, Suzanne, reinvestigated the Aztec case. They came out with and the I, book, of course, that we had him on the show. We were the first show to cover that book. Yeah, I'm glad that you guys did it. I think, I think that the Aztec case could very well have some truth to it. The only problem is it's we're now going so far ahead. It's, it, that was 1948. Unlike with Roswell, when that investigation really got underway in the late 70s, that's 30 years. With Aztec, it's much, much longer, and, and I'm afraid the trail may have gotten cold. But I do think Scott has made a reasonably good argument that Aztec did happen. Okay, but, so but, we go back in time to the 1940s. So, in, so the basic issue is this. If you're the president, you have to decide. Uh, what do I do? Do I tell the world? There's a big question for you. And maybe you might want to, but you'd have to think twice, because if you tell the world, it's not simply telling the world that there's these other beings. No, no. It's telling the world that you've got some of their stuff. And you've got a, you've got a Cold War happening here. You've got the Russians who you're afraid of. You've got all these other nations who are wild cards in a sense. And, and if you tell the world you've got this exotic technology, it's going to become mighty hard not to share it. It's a lot easier to keep it secret if you pretend that you don't have anything whatsoever. And so what would Truman do? Well, one of the things he would have to do is to have top scientists and contractors study this technology. And if they're going to do that, you can't let Congress know about it, because if you tell Congress, then you're telling the world. So you have to create a black budget situation. You must go in an extra constitutional manner if you're going to contain this secret. And you've got to privatize it. You've got to give it to the contractors who really have got the chops to be able to study and replicate this stuff. And, And now you've got this privatized bureaucracy, as it were, that's very, very neat to know, very, very deep black. And the problem with, you know, keeping a secret like that is that it, it becomes profitable and it develops its own momentum. Does it also make it possible, Mm -hmm. Rich, for the government to lose control over the years because it has been privatized? Correct. And which I think has happened. I think there's a very good case to, to make. Look at the U.S. government today. Look at Barack Obama and his foreign policy. Does, do people really believe that the president is truly the guy in charge or that the interests and powerful financial groups that essentially stand behind him and put him into the office, n- not all of which are even American? And, and take that 
and look at the UFO secret in this regard, uh, in this context. That, that, I think, is a more accurate way to see this. You've got groups that stand behind. And in fact, in terms of the rumor mill, which I think is fair to look at at this point, you've got a statement that's attributed to Ben Rich, uh, when, who's a former head of Lockheed Skunk Works Division. And Rich was talking about Kelly Johnson, his predecessor and mentor at Lockheed. I will get and, to what that message is. In a moment, we have Rich Dolan, Bryce Zabel. The book is AD, After Disclosure. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carding to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. The book is A.D. After Disclosure, a new edition with the authors Richard Dolan and Bryce Abel. We have Gene and Chris here, and Chris was telling me that they're taking odds now in Las Vegas on disclosure. What's going on here? Yeah, evidently, evidently they are. And uh, this comes from online casinos. And the question is, uh, what are the odds that a U.S. president will announce a discovery of alien life from the Oval Office or, in a way, a form of disclosure? And here are the odds. Uh, drum roll, please. If this is going to occur in 2012, the odds are 16 to 1. 2013 and 2014 and 2015 are 33 to 1. 2016 and 17 are 25 to 1. Uh, 2018 and 19 are 22 to 1. And then after 2020, it's 2 to 1. Oh. So there you go. I'd like to, I mean, <laughs> those are fun to, to hear. And, and uh, certainly Rich and I speculated about that ourselves during our process. But I'd like to know who came up with those odds. And I'd like to know what their experience really is in this whole field. Because, well, obviously, it's, it's, that's good cocktail chatter. But, but I don't know that that's accurate. I think the point that Rich has made uh, and was, was making earlier about just the level of 
technology that we live surrounded by now, the blanket of technology that we didn't used to have that is available to average people, the question may not be even the right question anymore. We're gradually moving from a place where the question is, will somebody tell us disclosure, which would be the the sort of the top-down school? But we may have uh, more of a grassroots disclosure going on where the, the people are going to be ahead of the disclosure. And instead of disclosure, you might want to call what happens in the future confirmation. A point well taken, Bryce, and I, I think that's really important. That's a really important thing to note. Chances are, if if a form of disclosure happens, I think uh, you guys mentioned this at the top of the show, it, the, the government's hand is going to be forced. Something will happen that will force them to respond. They have no motivation. Whoever's got the secret, this privatized ultra-elite group, let's just say, they've got no motivation for giving this up. The secret's gone for so long. Uh, all they can do is lose by revealing it. But the thing is, they're not the only factor in the equation. That's the thing. Well, the, one of the factors in the equation also be, and I want to get back to what you were talking about in the previous segment with the history of this thing, the other factors would be the oil industry, certainly, organized religion, any technology that's going to be disrupted by the revelation we have this advanced technology. And the other question being if we've recovered crash saucers. It's, a, it's well, an um, enormously complicated subject with right. a lot of moving parts, and that's why we really need to start almost with the definition of terms. What is disclosure? You know, for our purposes, we said disclosure was when somebody in, an, a, in a position of authority, could be a president, could be a pope, could be a UN secretary general, could be the head of the Chinese government, doesn't really matter. Somebody who's in, a, in an official position confirms that at least some of these things that have been reported as unidentified in the, in the skies above us are not built by us and operated by us, but they are operated by somebody else. Just that would be disclosure. So I thought it was kind of funny because Rich and I did put out an earlier version of the book where our subtitle was AD After Disclosure, The People's Guide to Life After Contact, because our feeling was the people who will need to know most about it and that they'll be the ones handling it, the government's hand will be forced. Our new publisher retitled it AD After Disclosure, when the government finally reveals the truth about alien contact. Look, we're happy to sell books. We think that's a great title, too. However, that's only one of the possibilities for how disclosure is going to happen and how we're going to go from a B.C. world, which is before confirmation, to an A.D. world, which is after disclosure. And the other big question is here is what if E.T. lands here and takes that out of our hands? Rich, you were talking earlier about the early history that perhaps President Truman knew what was going on. This is when they recovered supposedly the wreckage at Roswell and maybe at Aztec. What about Eisenhower? He was very tight in the military there. So did President Eisenhower know the truth, at least while he was president? Yeah, we're really going on speculation and guesswork here with all of these, of course, so let's just say that. But uh, I think with Eisenhower, it certainly looks like he was briefed and knew about this. What you see during Eisenhower's administration in a lot of respects is that he appears to have lost control over the national security complex itself. He certainly lost control over the United States nuclear strike capability. That's a whole different topic we don't need to go into, but he did. He was actually shocked. I mean, truly shocked and distressed 
1960, right at the end of his presidency, when he learned about how this that whole was, thing was going down. Is that why uh, he so, gave that speech about the military-industrial I think complex? that was part of it, yeah. I, I think that the uh, the strike capability was a big part of it, That because he was, he was horrified when he discovered that the U.S. plan was to literally to blow the Soviet Union into pieces and the entire half of the Western Hemisphere was just going to go away. Uh, he had no idea. He had absolutely no idea. But I think regarding the, the UFO issue, because this is a, a big hole in our official history, of course. It's the biggest hole in our official history. You've got this huge thing going on, and yet there's no official confirmation about any of it. So really what we have to do is infer certain things. Eisenhower, I think, knew, but how much control he had, I don't know. With Kennedy, I think that there's, there is reason to believe that Kennedy knew about this as well, but... And I personally am uh, uh, someone who believes in the credibility of the famous CIA Marilyn Monroe document where uh, this is dated the day before she died, was murdered, in my opinion, where it, it discusses her conversations that she had in Pillow Talk with the president about beings from outer space. So I think Kennedy knew about this. Well, remember also, Gene, the two-hour pilot film for Dark Skies is completely about how John Kennedy is going to tell the truth about UFOs in his second term and is stopped from doing that. Yeah. And that's, that's the entire pilot. Is um, there any reason want... to actually believe in the real world that that's what happened? He was going to say something about UFOs in his second term, so with the help of Johnson, they got rid of him. Well, let me, let me just let, I'm going to let Rich answer the state of what we know, but I will say that when, when Brent Friedman, my co-creator, and I dreamed that up for Dark Skies in 1994 and 1995, we basically were trying to create the unified field theory of conspiracy. So we said, let's take UFOs and John F. Kennedy and let's put them in an atom collider and see what we get. And what we got was the Dark Skies pilot. In the years since, I've seen more and more material talking about how that might have happened, but I was not aware of it at the time. And I think, Rich, now you, you said you do, you do believe that it actually is yeah. a possibility. I do. With Kennedy... I don't want to go too far afield, but this is fascinating. With Kennedy, it's like the Agatha Christie murder mystery, Orient on the Murder on the Orient Express, where like everyone did it, <laughs> everyone killed the guy. And in Kennedy's case, I think everyone had a motive. You know, there were so many reasons why why Kennedy was a problem, but I think the UFO issue is probably a factor in here. I, I think the reason he was taken out is simply because it became clear that he was not a reliable player on so many fronts that I think it was perceived that he was a true enemy uh, to the established order and that he, he had to go. So I, uh, my, my yeah. sense is that it wasn't just over Cuba. It wasn't just over the Fed. It wasn't just over Vietnam. It wasn't just over UFOs. It was over all of these things when someone just said, this guy is a serious problem. The hell with him. Let's, let's get rid yeah. of him. Would that also uh, explain I, what would have happened to Robert Kennedy because he was Jack's right-hand man? Well, Robert yeah. Kennedy was a main character in Dark Skies, appears in six episodes, and we think so. We had uh, Kennedy being the guy that hands a piece of Roswell wreckage to JFK and thus getting him killed. But, you know, that's a drama. I just wanted to add one thing in here that, that you had mentioned. You said if E.T. were to land here, that would make all bets off. I just want to put one thing out there. There is one thing, you know, Rich said we have to infer a lot of things. There is one thing that we should definitely infer. If there is one thing that the secret keepers and the others have agreed on for six or seven decades and maybe longer, it is that it ought to be a secret because mm -hmm. both sides, our secret keepers and the others, have had it within their ability and technology and uh, doability to end the whole thing 
publicly whenever they wanted to. We could have called the news conference and said, by the way, they're here, and they could have done a big flyby that was incontrovertible evidence, and they haven't done that. So we know for sure that secrecy seems to be the one point of agreement in the Venn diagram that includes the others and the managers of The Secret. We have Bryce Zabel. We have Richard Dolan with Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black berkey elements for only 231 dollars and the berkey guy will ship your order free of charge with the purchase of a berkey light the berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only 39.99 that's over 30 percent off the retail price call the berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today Attention, information in this one-minute message could save your life. Don't wait for the next emergency to happen. Act now to be prepared. Now, more than ever, civilians and communities must communicate with family, friends, and neighbors in the event of civil unrest, natural disasters, or other emergencies. That's why there's CivilDispatch.com. CivilDispatch.com is a universal system that can be used for a wide array of urgent notification alerts. Weather emergencies, civil unrest, emergency responders, amber alerts, school or business closings, any need-to-know situation. CivilDispatch.com is an emergency dispatch communication system, allowing anyone to quickly and easily send and instantaneously track emergency email and text alert notifications. CivilDispatch.com gives you the power of enterprise alerting without the enterprise cost. Don't find yourself unprepared. Learn more and become a member at CivilDispatch.com. That's CivilDispatch.com. Civilian Emergency Dispatch System. Peace through preparedness. 
Did you know that 50% of heart attacks are brought on by infections? Did you know that hospitals are breeding grounds for antibiotic-resistant bugs like MRSA? The environment is infected with parasites, and the mild winter means ticks with Lyme disease, mosquitoes with West Nile virus, and cold and flu viruses will be on the rise. Protect yourself with nature's natural antiparasitic, antiviral, antifungal, antibiotic, Allicin, the heart of garlic. Get concentrated protection with Ali C and Ali Ban from AffinityHealthProducts.com. One capsule of Ali C equals 40 cloves of garlic or 100 garlic pills with no garlic breath. Ali Ban has Allicin in spray, liquid, and cream forms with three times more strength than leading brands and costs less. Go to AffinityHealthProducts.com, spelled A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y, HealthProducts.com, or call 877-888-7126. That's 877-888-7126. Protect yourself with Ali C or Ali Ban from AffinityHealthProducts.com. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. The book is A.D. After Disclosure. What might happen and how the secret's being kept with Bryce Sable and Rich Dolan, authors of the book. Now, either of you can take this response, and that is whistleblowers. Wouldn't you think in 70 years there's some whistleblowers around who have disclosed a secret? Do you just make them look like idiots or do you have like a rich Doty come in there and spread some misinformation to hide what's really going on? Yeah, exactly. There's, there's been no shortage of, of people over the decades who have had very, very profound revelations about this topic and they're credible. I think uh, when a lot of researchers have interviewed many of these individuals uh, many of them do appear credible. I've interviewed some. Bryce has interviewed some. I think what happened is in the late 70s is when the disinformation spin really got underway. And, and honestly, it was to uh, to fight the, a two-pronged attack on secrecy that was taking place at that time. One was the, the newly energized Freedom of Information Act, which prior to 1975-76 was really a non-entity in the UFO field. And after that period became very, very big, really during the Carter years. So it became possible to petition the government for UFO-related documents. And it's easy to forget, but at the time, this was a huge, huge thing because all the government agencies for years had said, no, no, we don't do UFOs. It's not our purview. We don't. And then suddenly thousands of pages of documents come out showing that all of that was an absolute lie. And in fact, some of those documents showed the situation in a very grave light indeed. So you've got that as a threat to the secrecy. And on the other prong, you have the crash retrieval phenomenon that was then just coming out, most famously Roswell, but not only Roswell. There were um, leaks about individuals who had seen films of alien autopsies, all this in the late 70s. There were leaks about uh, by doctors who claimed to have performed uh, an autopsy or autopsies. So all of these were, were coming out. So if you're the on the inside, if you're in with the in crowd and you've got to contain this, then yes, you, you need to have some kind of disinformation out there. You need to throw some truth out there mixed with lies that become very easy to identify lies. And then you just, you know, tar the whole field with this. Yeah. And I think that is what has happened. Gene, a lot of this goes back to, again, a definitional thing. What is evidence? And evidence isn't what it used to be. Uh, Photos uh, in the 50s were better evidence because the only way that you could actually fake it, you had to throw that hubcap in the air or suspend it by a piece of string. 
uh, and and but you didn't have Photoshop. We have fantastic fakes right now uh, in right. both video and in photos that are out there. Documents aren't what they used to be. Documents can be faked, and and people do that all the time. I've done it for dark skies to create documents that would be on the show, for example. Uh, I think the thing that we when we talk about whistleblowers. It would be great if a WikiLeaks could be counted upon to do this. And in fact, they talked about having UFO documents, but yeah. my knowledge, they never produced them. And, and even if they did, I wonder what it would mean. Because let me just ask a hypothetical here. Let's say that George Herbert Walker Bush, Bush the first, is on his deathbed soon. And I, I don't wish him ill at all, but eventually he's going to be called because he's at that age. And let's say he's on his deathbed or Colin Powell, uh, someone else who's getting up in years. And let's say that either of those people who had extreme classification, Bush being the head of the CIA and implying that he's known something about UFOs, let's say that either one of them said, and by the way, I just want to get this off my chest before I die, that whole UFO thing, that's all real, you should check it out. Would that solve the issue? Would it? Would it? I don't think so. I think what would happen is instantly there would be a whole spin about how George Herbert Walker Bush wasn't himself anymore. He was in some kind of dementia situation, and mm-hmm. people put this into his head, and it would be rolled over again. We've had all kinds of great people blow the whistle. Edgar Mitchell is the bravest man around to land Apollo 14 on the moon after Apollo 13 nearly didn't make it back. And he doesn't get treated seriously. So I wonder about whistleblowers. If it's going to be a whistleblower, he's going to have to come forward with the documents, with the photos, with the corroboration, and with other people before the mainstream media uh, will take that seriously. I have a, a question here. What about other governments? Uh, it stands to reason that the you know the old Soviet Union, Russia – possibly China, possibly Brazil, um, is sitting on some pretty incredible evidence. And what, are the, what do you guys think of the odds of one of these governments, instead of doing this kind of whitewashing, uh, incremental disclosure that we've been seeing for the past 10 years, what if, if, if we have a, a major whistleblower you know, spill the beans from Brazil or from, from Russia? Right. What is the likelihood of that happening? I, it's something I wonder about. Bryce and I both have discussed this. This is in our book, too. It's a possibility for sure, but if you were to be that, like that government, let's say you're Brazil, and you make the decision that you're going to be the one to tell the world, you'd better be very careful about it because you can be sure that the United States has its own intel assets and its own espionage on you. Uh, there's no way that you're going to be able to make this decision and not be at risk of the National Security Agency knowing about it because their ears are everywhere. Now, would that mean, therefore, that occasionally our security people go to possible loose cannons and remind them that they would be much safer if they didn't disclose the secret? Well, sure. think of it this way. Well, yeah, I mean, when, when there have been known crash retreat, let's, let's, there was a, a, a UFO that went down over Bolivia in the year 1978. And we know about this. We have some documents about it. And, and we know that the Bolivians sent uh, a military team to, to investigate it. And we also know, gee whiz, that two key American officers, advisors, went on site and appear to have taken control of the whole operation. So that here you have, you know, another nation where some, something important goes, but here come the Americans. So the United States military complex has always been first among equals, among its allies, always. Uh, and I think on an international basis, this is the case. Now, but with other nations like Russia, 
with China, even maybe with India, for all we know, or Brazil. Some of these nations are big enough that they can legitimately be considered rivals, possibly in some of these uh, matters. And what type of behind-the-scenes relationships there are, well, we, we don't really know. But there are some stories that have come through uh, that indicate that there is some level of quiet collaboration behind the scenes. And the real question is, are the governments themselves, the official governments, even the ones really in charge of this? Well, you know, there may, be, there may be quiet competition as well. I just also wanted to point out, Leslie Kane wrote a fabulous book a year or two ago, where basically she's putting out uh, the, the testimony of various people from around the world who have been, in fact, whistleblowers. And that didn't blow the lid off the whole thing. I, I remain convinced that it's possible that what will break the logjam is another government making moves toward disclosure because of because of reasons that make sense to them and if the united states gets a hold of that i would think our first thing would be to try to get them to back down but you can't necessarily get brazil or china to back down uh you might have to go first and would it be possible here for all these separate parties to have at one time in the past gotten together and say you know what we have to have one policy. Whatever differences we have, we've got to have a singular policy about UFOs so that they don't, as they say, release the truth. We'll get into more of possible truths about UFOs and disclosure with Bryce Abel and Richard Dolan. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com You may snicker when you hear this message, but you won't laugh after you experience the best-kept health secret ever, camel milk. Camel milk is loaded with health benefits far superior to other milk. Camel milk has antibacterial, antiviral, and anti-tumor properties, is rich in B vitamins, and camel milk is three times higher in vitamin C than cow's milk and ten times higher in iron. And camel milk contains 52 units of insulin-like proteins per liter, effectively lowering blood sugar levels. Many of our members testified that drinking camel milk reversed diabetes and greatly improved autism. Camel milk is easily digested by those who are lactose and beta casein intolerant and comes fresh or frozen from your trusted local family farm shipped on dry ice to preserve freshness. 
Go to CamelMilkForSale.com now and look under Products and Pricing for the Spring Special with free bonus pints. That's CamelMilkForSale.com, CamelMilkForSale.com. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Love gardening but don't love seeing your hard work destroyed by wildlife? Then use the number one most effective deer and rabbit repellent you can buy, PlantSkid. PlantSkid repellent protects gardens, trees, and landscaping by emitting an odor that browsing animals associate with predators. So animals avoid plants before they nibble, not after. PlantSkid is made in the U.S. from non-toxic, 100% organic, environment, and pet-friendly ingredients. Other repellents wash off in the rain. Not PlantSkid. It's guaranteed to outlast all other repellents. PlantSkid was the first animal repellent to be OMRI listed organic and now comes in liquid spray, powder concentrate, or easy-to-use granular. Just sprinkle around your garden. For proven protection from deer, rabbits, squirrels, and other small rodents, use PlantSkid. Member tested and recommended by the National Home Gardening Club. Find a dealer near you at PlantSkid.com. That's PlantSkydd.com. Ask about our new vol repellent when you call 800-252-6051. That's 800-252-6051. PlantSkid, proven plant protection, guaranteed or your money back. Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me. We're talking about the book AD, After Disclosure, with Bryce Abel and Richard Dolan with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. And one of the things I suggested as a hypothetical, strictly hypothetical, is it possible that different governments around the world did say in the late 40s, early 50s, get together and say, look, this secret is too much for one government. We've got to work together to keep it a secret. I'm not thinking, you know, that necessarily Russia was involved, but say the U.S. and the U.K., things like that. Yeah, I I think that's very likely. Look at the formation of NATO in 1949. You already have a fairly unified military command structure that early on uh, among the, the powerful military European Western nations. So, You've got close military collaboration uh, right from the beginning. So I think it makes perfect sense that the UFO matter would be considered. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I look at this, uh, well, from a lot of different points of view, I guess, but one of them is being a dramatist. I'm better at thinking a scenario through. Let's, let's imagine, for example, uh, we've seen all these uh, airport closings in China. All right. So let's imagine that some UFO of some kind is hovering over a Chinese airport and they shut it down. What would be their first thought? Well, if it's not theirs, if the Chinese know it's not theirs, they would probably think it was ours. 
So they'd be pretty upset with us. If it turned out that our president got briefed on that and said, well, whose is it? And they and our guys had to tell our president it's not ours. Then suddenly the idea that something is over a Chinese airport that's not the U.S. manufacturer and not the Chinese manufacturer is out there in the world. And the Chinese could independently come to their own conclusion that it does them no good to protect us. And they might as well share their feelings about it because they look at things differently, which would then cause us in the chess game of disclosure to have to think about what we thought about it. So I think what Rich and I, as we went back and forth over this year-long development process, with a lot of these things, we came to the conclusion of it depends. There's going to be a scenario somehow, some way, that's going to involve everything that we've talked about and then a few other things from whistleblowers to documents to actual sightings to foreign governments, etc. And that stew of news and, and technology and, and secrecy is all going to come together at some point, someday, somehow, and yield uh, the truth because right. it really can't do anything other than that. You can't, you can't have all those things going and have it lead to secrecy because we've had secrecy. It's going to lead to something different. That's the let nature me, of history. Let me add one thing here because, I mean, there's so many AD, after disclosure issues, I'm sure we all want to discuss. But in terms of ending the secret, uh, I would just suggest that we look, at the, we look at the very big picture. And the very big picture is the technological and social and political trajectories that we are on as a society. Go back 150 years and look at human civilization. Look at the most advanced part of human civilization and you'll see a society of horses and wooden carts and railroads. That's where we were. And we go from that situation to one in really the blink of a cosmic eye, essentially, where we have this complete kind of connectivity with iPhones and Facebook and YouTube and uh, the new uh, MacBook Pro is coming out and we're just blowing ourselves out of the water every few years with new technology. You go and look into the future, be a futurist for a moment here and look at what a lot of these guys are saying about the future of artificial intelligence. Uh, we are, by a lot of those estimates, one to two generations away from your computer being able to have a fully intelligent, sentient conversation with you and maybe even more intelligently than a normal human being. So you might have computers with a relative IQ of 200 or 300 or more for all we know. And this is not make-believe fantasy. This is, you've got brilliant uh, computer scientists who really believe that this is about to happen. If that is the case, and then all of the other developments that we're going to be having in the next 20, 30 years, can we really think, honestly, that we are not going to be any farther along in cracking this nut than we are today. I think that's ridiculous to think that we're going to be in the same place. We've been talking about WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks, which, which did not exist 10 years ago because it couldn't exist 10 years ago. There was no global infrastructure for it, but there is now. And, and if you look at the event this week with the WWDC from Apple Incorporated, everything they worked for was the interconnectedness of all their hundreds of millions of devices exactly. Online with Facebook, with Twitter, all this integration with cars. They've got nine automakers now going to stick Siri, the talking personal assistant, going to be in your car. So everybody's going to have it. These are the largest car makers on the planet are going to incorporate this. I had a question which kind of goes back to the early supposed recoveries of wreckage, and that is alien technology. Now, we have that book, The Day After Roswell, which is very, very controversial from Colonel Corso. But the argument then is, if we recovered something from an advanced civilization 
back in the 1940s. Is there any evidence anywhere that we'd learned anything from it? Yes, I think. I don't know what we would consider evidence here, Gene. It's a fair question. But I think the likelihood, Corso himself claimed that a number of developments came out of uh, those that original crash retrieval. He talked about uh, fiber optics, I believe. He talked about high tensile fibers. Um, trying to remember, he might have mentioned lasers, technology. Uh, I think all of this is is realistic, actually. I would also add uh, improvements to integrated circuits and maybe solid state technology would probably be along that as well. I mean, but part of the problem this- has been, Rich, is that you can show a parallel, realistic development path of all these technologies here on Earth without the possibility of alien intervention, or did they basically go back and change history? I think the latter, actually. Uh, You can go into the history of the transistor, into go into Wikipedia, and you'll see a very sort of logical uh, history of that, or of integrated circuits, same thing. And there's no reference, of course, to Roswell, right? Uh, It's all explained here, but, but really think about it. If Bell Labs were one of the earliest contractors involved in studying Roswell tech, how unlikely is it that certain ideas would have been developed there that would then be uh, translated into patents and profitability? And of course, they're not going to mention that they get this from some highly exotic source that, you know, you're not supposed to talk about. And it doesn't mean that they duplicated Roswell technology, obviously. If you've got this very advanced piece of tech that you've been, you've got your 10 most brilliant scientists looking at for a few years. They may not be able to duplicate its properties, but they might get some really good ideas out of that process. And so you've got innovation in that regard, and that's certainly not going to translate into a Wikipedia entry. Now, in the case of Colonel Corso, the problem I have is that those who are skeptical of him will show chapter and verse why maybe he exaggerated his credentials. Maybe there were things in the way the book was edited by the co-author, unnamed oh, here. Oh, yeah. Right. Right, that's kind of, well, now we mentioned him, but the point being that... Why would we not mention Bill Burns? Excuse me, I just don't know why. Why would we not mention him? Are we all responsible for whatever we write? I mean, why would we not mention him? Well, I think we're just being because of the feeling that maybe he embellished a little bit of the book. But let's point out well, regardless. I mean, did he? Absolutely. I had, I had a, I had a uh, discussion with Bill about this because he and I indirectly had some words on this matter a number of years ago where I, I had overtly, I just stated that, I mean, everything points to the fact that he, he really got this book out really to get it out for the 50th anniversary of Roswell. The book wasn't ready. It was littered with mistakes. You can't blame them on Corso. Corso was in his 80s. He was uh, had this handwritten massive document that really wasn't readable as a book, to be honest with you. And Burns is a writer, and he made it readable as a book, but there were a lot of mistakes in there. I think Bill and, Burns then knows it to the public to come forward and annotate what he knows to be different and, well, and improve yeah, it. Well, he said to me, because after this all came out, we, we talked and he said, well, look, you don't realize the pressure that, that you're under. When you have a Simon Schuster contract, it's got to be out by such and such a date. I said, yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. He said, the thing is, we had planned, once we realized that there was all these mistakes, we, he said that he and Phil Corso had planned to do another edition to correct it. And then, of course, Corso died in June of 98. Now, I understand from Burns, to be fair to everyone, is that, in the final days after the book was published, he was in pretty bad health and couldn't even help that much while the book was being edited. We'll get into more of that in a moment. 
Rich Dolan, Bryce Abel joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Now at DeseretFoodStore.com, sign up for a one-month supply of delicious food for only $99 with free shipping. That's right, only $99. Gourmet restaurant-style meals with a 30-year shelf life. Packaged in heavy-duty Mylar bags for easy transport and freshness. Meals like stroganoff, lasagna, teriyaki, five-bean chili, granola pancakes, and much more. Visit DeseretFoodStore.com, spelled D-E-S-E-R-E-T, FoodStore.com, or call 801-444-1444. Food for now, food for life. 37 things to hoard. Do you have the 37 crucial food items you can't survive without? When disaster hits and mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves, your family may be without food or waiting in long food lines. Prepare now at 123survivalplan.com. That's 123survivalplan.com. Many people don't have these 37 food items. Learn what you need to hoard now at 123survivalplan.com. Watch the video over 1 million people of you to discover the 37 food items that will sell out first when disaster strikes at 123survivalplan.com. Survival is not about the end of the world. It's not about a hypothetical plane crash or the latest violet storm. Survival is about the satisfaction of knowing you can take care of yourself and your family in any situation, anytime, anywhere. CampingSurvival.com was started in 1956. No, not the dot-com part, the survival part. CampingSurvival.com has over 17,000 urban, wilderness, and preparedness items. Supreme customer service. Very low shipping and no games we look around to make sure we have the lowest prices and CampingSurvival.com is 100% usmc veteran owned don't base your survival on the latest spring up on the internet company do business with an authority on survival CampingSurvival.com. use coupon code gcn at checkout and CampingSurvival.com will take five percent off your order CampingSurvival.com. confidence born of preparation Emergency Essentials has Mountain House deals in June. Going on now, Emergency Essentials, the 24-year leader in emergency preparedness supplies, does it again with up to 25% off Mountain House foods. Don't miss these savings. All Mountain House number 10 cans are 20 to 25% off during the month of June only at BePrepared.com. Mountain House foods have superior taste and a scientifically proven 25-year shelf life because they start with fresh or frozen foods, then cook, prepare, and 
finally freeze-dry them. All the goodness, flavor, and taste are locked in as if handmade from scratch. Mountain House, the same great meals enjoyed by campers and outdoorsmen the world over. Hurry, now through June 30th. Call 800-999-1863 to experience exceptional customer service and the BePrepared.com low-price guarantee. That's 800-999-1863. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com. This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris, we have Bryce Abel and Richard Dolan. The book is A.D., After Disclosure. But we're talking about another book that has some sort of disclosure early on, at least some years back, the day after Roswell, written by Philip Corso and very much rewritten by Bill Burns. And the question being, of course, how much was changed? A lot of skepticism there. Let me just add, I mean, I, I don't want to bash Bill Burns on well, this. Well, it's not just I trying did, to be fair about it, that's all. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I could completely get the fact that he was under a massive deadline. And sure, there's all this pressure. You want to get it out for the 50th anniversary of Roswell. That's a no-brainer. You want to do that if you can. Uh, and, you know, life intervenes. The best laid plans of mice and men, right? So I understand that. And if his health was poor, fine. The, the bottom line, though, is unfortunate because Corso, who I think should be considered, actually, a valid uh, individual in all of this. I'll, I, I can give you some reasons why, I think. But his book is forever tainted. It's actually going, forever going to be kicked to the curb, essentially, and it will really never have the, the power and gravitas that it could have had, had it been done a little more slowly, a little more deliberately. And unfortunately, you know, whoever, what, what, even if it's no one's fault, the moment's gone, And it's not coming back. And the reason I think Corso is to be listened to is is that the people around him who knew him, every every single person stood by this guy. I mean, he got he got Senator Jesse. um, Who was it? Jesse. No, who did his forward? Strom Thurmond. Thurmond, Right. Who was that? I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, just to show you how old I am. (laughs) I interviewed Strom Thurmond. And it's very interesting about his interview technique. We'll get back to the show in a second here, but just parenthetically. I interviewed him. I was working at a country radio station in Charleston, South Carolina as news director a long, long time ago. When you interviewed him, his face was always pointed down to the floor. I never understood that. Okay, but that's the point. The first printing of the book, Strom Thurmond's intro was there. Then he said, no, I'm not going to be in a saucer book, and they had it removed. Exactly, but he, he, he spoke about Corso, talked him up to the skies and said he was an, a hero. And Corso did have some street cred here. He had, he had already had some credibility on the MIA mission uh, issue, which he had talked about at some length. And, you know, he was a man who had a, a very significant amount of respect in Washington military circles. He was not a bit player here. And so he comes out with this statement on Roswell as a very old man uh, with a manuscript that my understanding was was very poorly put together and really not readable by anyone other than uh, maybe researchers who would have a particular interest it wasn't it wasn't in book form so and and of course if you're writing from memory in your 80s how many things do you think you're going to get wrong honestly so i can't fault the man for getting certain things wrong about like uh, the death of frank wisner which i think he got completely wrong cia uh, executive and a lot of other things were just 
not really right, and they were factually very easy to to pinpoint. Now, the one thing about a situation like that, if you're rushing the book out, you don't have a fact checker at the publisher who can stop and say, okay, we have a couple of months left. Let's check each and every fact against the public record. Let's make sure it's right. But if you're rushing to get the damn thing out, you can't do that. I understand that. But I think the other question is here, maybe some of those early developments did come from alien technology. That goes back to the 40s and 50s. Since then, what? Well, you know, part of me, as I hear this, I I go, well, I'm not interested in this other guy's book as much as ours. And I would ask when we, <laughs> when we, because I, I, because I can't, I can't prove those things. I, I, I can't really say what, what the answer is to a lot of that. I personally think somebody should now write a book about Philip Corso and, uh, and look into all those things in the same way that when Whitley Strieber, uh, first came out with communion, I believe another author wrote a book called report on communion to look into it. So I, I think that that kind of self-analysis in the ufological community is, is a good thing. And by the way, one of the reasons I was so profoundly honored to be Richard's partner on this thing is that I believe he is the preeminent historian of this, of our time. And, and, Rich is not a guy that accepts everything anybody says to him. And, and these things, I can accept more things because I'm a dramatist and I don't have to have the standard of proof. But, but Rich has been very strong on these things. And when we were uh, working our way through after disclosure, I, I think there were a lot of places where we wished we had a fact checker uh, and we wished we had more time, but we sucked it up and did it anyway. And, and I think that obviously – one of the things that ufological community could do is bring its game up as much as possible uh, so that the people who are not the, the believers and, and are not the ones who are predisposed to accept the story that we're telling will uh, have a better shot at understanding it. And, and so I think all of us have to accept a higher standard when we're talking about nonfiction. Now, the reason I even brought up Corso is because this is something that impacts of the disclosure because it's saying that inventions that we know about were made with alien technology oh, if that's I, the case that's a very important fact I, because the well, question i, I have I is remember what my point was going to be about that i'm sorry but it, I, yeah oh, if there in fact are reverse engineering that has been going on then in a post-disclosure environment all of that's going to come out the three, the four of us sitting here talking about it right now, Rich probably has some facts that he can bring forward. I know there's a couple of good good cases. But most of all, when you talk about after disclosure, what we're saying is that's an avalanche of stuff. All of the things that got created or were manipulated because of uh, some kind of alien or other technology is going to come forward. One of the things that Rich and I have been very strong on is that history will need a complete rewrite. The other because, question I would have to raise also right. is how much alien technology could we even reverse engineer? I mean, if I took the current iPhone with the voices and all that stuff, of course it doesn't exist if you don't have the Internet, but I hand my iPhone to somebody living in 1912, when Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote John Carter of Mars, A Princess of Mars, I hand it to Edgar Rice Burroughs and say, here, look at this. He's not going to know what it is. The best scientist of that era could barely figure it out. So mm-hmm. how would you figure out technology that might be hundreds or thousands of years removed from us? No, exactly. The best you could do is realize that such and such a thing is possible. I, I mean, we it. all hear stories, and, and they're all great stories. I heard a story the other day about Joe Holden, who uh, I believe had something to do with the jet afterburner. 
and uh, how he was called in by the military to take a look at a craft that they had in a hangar, and they couldn't get it open, and Holden was able to climb up on a ladder and look inside a window and see a dead alien in it. Now, I hadn't heard that story before. Maybe you guys have heard it. But how do you prove a story like that? That's kind of my point. If there's reverse engineering, the people who have reverse engineered it have all signed oaths. And most of those people take those oaths very seriously. The people that haven't signed oaths are actually not told exactly what the technology is so that they can't be a good source of leaking about it. And then there's the people like the Holden story where you say, I'd like another source on that before I, I pass it around as true. Where do you get these sources? That's the hardest place that we're in right now. So disclosure, rather than being brought forward because we're able to prove an old document, is probably a present tense thing. Something's going to happen in the present tense that is going to have to break this floodgate open rather than something in the past. I think a mass, a mass sighting is still a, probably the top of the list. Uh, something that will be recorded, seen and recorded multiply by enough people that it's it's uh, like hitting the sweet spot of the baseball and that's going to hit it out of the park. There's a lot of sightings that go on all the time, and I think we're getting better and better at being able to record and uh, communicate these, and I, I just think it's a matter of time. Chris, we have a number of questions from our listeners at the PowerCast forums at forum.thepowercast.com in the thread that is always called the question bank. We devoted a section for questions for Rich and for Bryce. Chris, you want to comb some of that, maybe dig up a few questions that may move this discussion forward before we get back with it? Well, you know, again, we have discussed, I think, um, uh, points that sort of are addressed by some of the questions. But but here's one from SRI, who's been a member of the Paracast for a year and a half. And he says, according to Jacques Vallée, retired Colonel John Alexander, Mr. Robert Bigelow, disclosure has already been realized. However, confirmation is yet to be achieved. What ye say to this? Now, Bryce did kind of address this earlier in the show, but what about uh, John Alexander, for instance, in his his recent book, uh, saying that there's really nothing to disclose? I don't buy the idea that disclosure has already been realized. Come on. I mean, I'm sorry. I just dismissed that. That is not what's happened, at least by my definition. Now, we can parse words and we can go, well, in that some people know and that those who want to know can know, but I'm talking about disclosure closure where it affects the whole world because the whole world learns that the world is different than the way they thought it was. That's disclosure to me. I would add, I did a two-hour radio debate with John Alexander early this year. It was moderated, in fact, by Leslie Kane. And my own opinion is I think I picked him apart and then some. He made this argument with me. Thank you. That disclosure has already been made, and that is the governments have, have stated what they know, and it's just nonsense, absolute nonsense. I know we had Stanton Friedman and John Alexander debate on the Paracast not too long ago. So mm-hmm. there you go. We have Bryce Abel and Rich Dolan with Gene and Chris. You're in the, the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right. Every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700.
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. They're not going to replace, ladies and gentlemen, the Everly Brothers and or the Beatles in doing that, but I like to think that all our players, Rich Dolan, Bryce Abel, Chris O'Brien, but not me, because I... But this proves is that we, we all to... work better alone. Yeah, We're all but alone. What are you going to do one? I've never heard you uh, do that stinger. You're right, and you never will. <laughs> We're talking about the book after disclosure, trying to phrase or talk about the possible impact if we learn that ET is here and the governments disclose it, or if events are such that. They have to disclose because they are dragged kicking and screaming. And we've been answering some of your questions. But I want to throw this one out here, and that is the statement that maybe disclosure has already happened. What about gradual disclosure? Year after year, we hear there are potentially millions of inhabited worlds out there with some form of life. We have one of the moons of Saturn has primitive life and Mars and maybe the moon. So it doesn't take much of a stretch to say, okay, we have advanced alien races. Another stretch, they're coming here. What right, about right. gradual disclosure happening over decades? We wake up one day and we know what's going on, but we don't look at the path that got us there. That's about right. I mean, the gradual disclosure, in a sense, is a symptom of the technological development that we are showing as a society. We have greater and greater abilities now to perform studies of the rest of the universe, for example, and to figure out how many Earth-like planets there may be in all of this. So all of this is part of the process. All of it is basically a ground-up, Bryce was talking about this earlier, pushing up from the bottom. This is us, the people. And it's going to get to a point at some, whether it's this year, next year, 10 years from now, there will reach a point where this includes reality of the UFO phenomenon itself. It's going to force those people who are our official guys at the top of the human heap to have to make an acknowledgement, acknowledgement, and that's disclosure. I would like to, let me just mention one thing here, because I hope we get some time to talk about some of the real issues post-disclosure, because, I mean, all of this is fascinating, talking about how it can happen and so on. But there are some, some major themes. Uh, you've got the social, social ramifications. You've got the whole energy paradigm, which is critical. You've got major geopolitical ramifications. You've got changes in religion and science as a result of all of this, and you know, all of these are issues that Bryce and I tried to tackle as best we could when we wrote this. Changes in culture, etc. Can I, I just want to wrap up your gradual disclosure thing, though? Sure. I find that that argument is a lot similar to the one uh, that I hear because I work in our, in Hollywood as a storyteller, where people say, "Oh, well, Hollywood's been being used to prepare us for uh, disclosure." I don't necessarily believe in any of those, and certainly not now. I would imagine. That if in 1947 uh, it had landed on my desk to uh, keep this thing quiet while we got a handle on it, 
I bet most of the people in 47 figured they'd be lucky if they could keep this under wraps for five and maybe 10 years at the outset. The, the idea that uh, denial and ridicule, the twin pillars of uh, secrecy, would have worked so astonishingly well for six to seven decades probably would have blown everybody away. I don't see any evidence of gradual disclosure. What we have is a gradual deepening of the public's interest in the topic of actual UFO ET reality and how that might impact disclosure. But there is a giant gap uh, between real disclosure and believing that there's uh, a lot of planets out there that could support life. I give you the one example, which is Carl Sagan, who I, I find to be a very odd duck in the whole uh, science and ufology field because here is a man famous for saying the universe was absolutely teeming with life and yet at the same time he took the position but it couldn't possibly be here and why could it not possibly be here because the distances are too vast it would be impossible and yet Sagan is the same guy that said any civilization would probably be a thousand or a million years in advance of us so I would presume they would have better science and technology there's just a whole lot of things that don't quite add up in a gradual disclosure thing I think the people that have this are holding their cards as tight as they can for as long as they can they probably have a backup plan for when they think that the the whole thing's going south on them and that's when we'll get what amounts to some kind of public disclosure, and not before. Okay, let's look at other potential things that might be impacted. Certainly the energy industry. Suddenly overnight we learn that oil, natural gas, even solar energy is just so primitive. These aliens have something that makes them all look like, you know, really right. ancient, useless technology. You throw out these industries overnight. Of course, they'd want to keep the secret, wouldn't they? Sure they would. Sure they would. And figure out a way to put a meter on it. Right. Well, they. You. That's. This is a real problem. I mean, a ten-year-old kid can probably realize that whatever these objects use to get around, it's not petroleum, it's not gasoline, or even jet fuel. You know, if you can loiter indefinitely and silently, and then instantly accelerate and do sharp angle turns, uh, you're doing something way beyond uh, our current aerodynamics and energy paradigm. And how long is it going? Even if we don't really know exactly at the moment of disclosure what these other beings are using, do you really think it's going to be that long before we figure it out? Uh, there have been all kinds of alternative energy explorations that people have talked about. There's a lot of suspicion that some of this stuff has been suppressed. Wouldn't shock me in the least if that would have been the case. You mean like the car uh, that I can do 200 miles a gallon? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I think so. When you're talking about alternate energy sources, something that's not petroleum, petroleum has been the dominant industry, at least one of the top handful of dominant industries of the last 150 years. Our entire world is essentially based on, a patrol, on petroleum for its infrastructure. We would have a hard time existing without it. And what if we were to discover that there's something now that's better than this multi-trillion dollar industry that employs so much of the globe? Even under the best of circumstances, all right, you could, transition is not necessarily going to be the easiest thing. There's going to be a lot of blowback and resistance to that. And, and there's going to be a lot of deep unhappiness among those elite groups that have probably – look, the, the people who are managing the UFO secret are very likely deeply tied into the petroleum industry as well. So this is, this is not a, a win scenario for them. And if they can't find a way to meter this new energy, let's say it's something like zero-point energy, let's just say. Maybe that's the case. 
and you create a device, you meter the zero point energy field, well, maybe they'll find a way to do that. Maybe they will, but you know, switching over from one form of energy fundamentally to another, I think humanity needs to do that. I think we all realize we, we can't continue on our path using fossil fuels and expect to be in a really good place in another couple of hundred years. But of Very course, there's also active political movements out there that want to make us believe that we have all the oil we need for centuries. We just have to use all sorts of crazy methods like fracking to get in there yeah. and get that oil out. Bleed well, us dry. If, well, they, exactly. But even if we do that, uh, it, that's still really finite because it's, it's not just supply, it's demand. If this were 1950 then we would have enough oil easy to last for several centuries on 1950 levels of consumption. But you've got uh, not three billion, but seven plus billion people in the world. You've got China, you've got India. They all want to drive their SUVs now. You've got everyone in the world wants to drive a car, and we're just sucking this stuff down. I don't care how much you have in the ground. If you keep wanting to double your energy output every gen human generation, then it's like that old uh, Chinese parable of the, the doubling of the rice. You know, At a certain point, you're going to have more more demand of energy than than is possible now the other question would be here then all right so the oil industry is kaput unless they find ways as chris says to meter it the people who make the cars will they just figure well if it's a new propulsion system we'll just design vehicles to work with it sure maybe not everything is kaput I, there's yeah. transitions all right. changes in human history have a transition zone. It, there was a period of transition from coal to oil. There's always a transition, and there will be another transition here. In fact, one of the clocks, if there is a clock on disclosure, might very well be the availability of oil and, and people's plans as to whether fracking is going to do the job or not do the job. You know, there's a lot of things behind the scenes that we are not privy to yet. So but, if but there sure. is an ultimate goal here, it might be we will disclose barring outside developments we can't control when we are ready to receive that information because of various and sundry different things we can talk about. Bryce Abel, Rich Dolan, the book is After Disclosure. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy we've got like i guess 60 or so different items and entails t-shirts sleeves for notebook computers ipad cases mouse pads the paracast jumbo tote bag all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women we have a paracast aluminum water bottle all this stuff you go to store.theparacast.com store.theparacast.com what makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient 
nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganix.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics. Life's getting better. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Attention business owners and individuals who owe the IRS. Do you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes? You need aggressive representation. Call Certified Tax now and speak to one of our tax attorneys, enrolled agents, or tax professionals who specialize in tax liens, back taxes, tax debt, wage garnishment, and collections. We won't waste your time. Instead, we'll be on the phone with the IRS within 30 minutes of you becoming a client. And you can become a client right now. We've settled millions of dollars in tax issues for a fraction of the cost. Find the peace of mind knowing the IRS will not be knocking at your door. Protect your home, business, and family today. We know the tax laws, and we act fast. Call today for your free, no-obligation consultation. 1-800-685-9751. Remember, we'll be on the phone with the IRS within 30 minutes of you becoming a client. That's guaranteed. Call Certified Tax at 800-685-9751. That's 800-685-9751. Again, 800-685-9751. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast with Rich Dolan and Bryce Sable. Chris, any more questions or have we covered all the subjects there? Yeah, there are, but um, I, I've got one here. I recently was involved in a project um, called Dialogues, uh, the Disclosure Dialogues, which is a DVD project that uh, Rich was uh, an integral part and in, one of the featured experts that we, uh, we had in dialogue in this piece. And one of the, I think, most fascinating conversations um, that I had the pleasure of editing was Rich, uh, you and Danny Sheehan talking. And, of course, Danny Sheehan, uh, for, for our new listeners, is, is a really interesting uh, guy. He, he's a top-notch um, lawyer from the Harvard Law School. 
He also has, a de- I think, a degree in, in the divinities. He was the chief counsel for the Jesuits for many years and helped uh, argue the Pentagon Papers case uh, in his 20s in front of the Supreme Court. This guy is a, a real mover and shaker. Uh, he's one of the few people that I know that actually was allowed to see the secret portion of Project Blue Book. But one of the things that, that really struck me, Rich, about your conversation with Danny was the way you guys addressed the whole religious issue and how the religious question may not be as, you know, as, as much of a sticking point in the disclosure equation um, as most people kind of assume that it is. Uh, why don't you give us uh, kind of a, a thumbnail sketch of that conversation that you had with Danny? And, and, and do mention what you came up with in the end, because I think this is covered in your book, and, and I think this is a very, very important and relevant issue. Yeah, well, that's funny. I, I love and I think I so highly of him. I almost can't remember anything I said in that conversation, to be perfectly candid with you. But I do know what my thoughts are regarding uh, religion and disclosure. So hopefully what I'll say now will be consistent with whatever I said during that discussion, which I think was uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago. I yeah. understand, Rich. It doesn't have to be because people are free to change their minds. It's not like the political world where you make one sentence that's slightly off and they'll beat you down for it. Oh, thank God. Well, yeah, I just can't. I can't. So you change your mind. That's okay. Well, I change my, Rich, I change my mind every hour. Mind. Danny changed yeah. your mind about uh, about the whole religious issue and his idea of coming up with a grassroots movement, I think, really changed your thinking. And I've heard that change in your thinking uh, in this interview. Oh, well, okay then. Yes, absolutely. You know, the one thing that I I would have to say about religion is that there's no one religion. (laughs) So you've got, uh, when you're talking about disclosure, when you're talking about extraterrestrials or these other beings, because maybe... Maybe they're really not extraterrestrial in the way that we imagine that. I don't, I don't know. Nobody knows. But whatever they are, they're not us. So various different religions on planet Earth are, are going to look at this phenomenon in very different ways. All right. You've got uh, in the U.S., let's look at the Christian denominations first. You've got uh, basically liberal and conservative variations of Christianity. You know, back in the olden days, we used to say Protestant and Catholic, but that's really not the relevant breakdown. It's more like liberal and and conservative. So you've got evangelical groups in the U.S. And, you know, that's one side. And many of them, and this is not a matter of speculation, you go out and ask evangelicals their attitude about this, and they'll tell you that there's a strong tendency to interpret the UFO phenomenon as demonic in one form or another. Luciferian. They can quote you relevant passages of the Bible to show this. Many passages in Paul, certain passages in Revelations. And then on the other side, uh, very, let's say, liberal types of belief systems, and particularly when you get into like New Age belief systems, you've got a very opposite way of looking at the ET UFO phenomenon in many cases, where they're going to look at this as a very positive event in which these other beings are going to help humanity move to its next level of development, whether typically spiritually. No bridge long enough to to group, to to bridge that gap. Okay, but here's the other problem which might come up. What if E.T. says, you know what, just like your ancient astronauts, we're the ancient astronauts, we seeded you 20,000 years ago, whatever. We did genetic Mm -hmm. engineering. You weren't created by God, you were created by us. It doesn't mean they don't believe in a God. 
but they are our creator. That's not so much a religious issue as a great example of why there still may not be disclosure at this point. If that was true, I could see people arguing uh, to keep it under wraps a little bit longer. But the one thing I just want to throw in about religion, what Rich and I found out is most people, when they discuss disclosure and religion, their first statement is, well, the reason they can't disclose is that religions would freak out. But that's not what uh, research has shown. Most people who are religious, when interviewed about how they would respond to an extraterrestrial revelation, take it pretty much in stride in large numbers and basically shrug their shoulders and say it's a large universe, God's in charge of the whole thing, and why wouldn't he make other people? The people who say that religion would freak out over disclosure ironically turn out to be, in a vast majority, atheists. It's the it's the agnostics and the atheists who think that religious people will freak out, but the religious people themselves say they won't. And as Rich pointed out on the evangelical front, it's evangelicals who seem to know more about ufology than most ufologists. They uh, they know everything about uh, Mantell and and uh, Betty and Barney Hill and things like that. They just attributed it all to uh, d- d- demonology. I think in the short term, I agree with this that that you know the religions are not going to collapse. And we even we talked about the development of new religions as a result of this. I, I would think though, in the long term, let's say two to three to four generations out post disclosure, that uh, probably. All of the, uh, the the Western, the desert sky god religions, as I sometimes think of them, basically uh, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, uh, all of all of these are are very possibly going to be affected by the advent of other beings that are here. You know, change change doesn't always happen among people; it happens among generations. Yep. You know, maybe not not you and me, but our kids, our grandchildren, our great grandchildren are going to they'll be living in an environment. That's very, very different than what we can imagine. And, and if those kids who grow up in a post-disclosure world, it, it's hard for me to imagine that they're going to look at the fairy tale style religious belief systems that, you know, most people in the Western tradition have grown up in, that they're just going to be able to take that as seriously in a post-disclosure they're not. world. In fact, by the way, Gene, can we talk culture for a few minutes here? Sure, go ahead. This is certainly leads to that, yes. Because it, it, the whole religious thing is part of our culture, and so it kind of leads us into this other thing. When when Rich and I were having those that year-long d- ongoing debate about, well, what do you think about this? Do you think it might go this way, that way? We s- struggled with the concept of, of the culture and how the culture would be affected by a, a disclosure revelation. And the best anal- analogy we could come up with would be that – in AD world, an after-disclosure world that is going to be the 1960s with technology, that that if you think about what happened in the 60s, two things radicalized people and made the 60s what they were. It was the assassination of John F. Kennedy and the idea that maybe we didn't know everything we thought we knew and that uh, our leaders could tell lies and conspiracies could exist, followed by Vietnam uh, which had its own radicalizing influence. And we kind of think disclosure is JFK and Vietnam rolled into one and will give us kind of a uh, a society that comes uh, uh, unhinged a little bit at the beginning and then reassembles itself 
over probably a period of, of a decade or so to sort of take into account all these new ideas and new thoughts. So we could potentially, those of us who live through disclosure, uh, say to ourselves, boy, that was the most rock and roll decade I've ever seen. Because I hope I live to see this. We have, so, we have so, Rich Dolan. We have Bryce Zabel with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. For a long time, you've heard me talk about building your own food supply with eFoods Direct. As a listener, you know why you need to have a supply of the best storable food on the planet. Every day, we document the attempts to take control of our lives. But there's one thing we can all control, your greatest dependency, food. 
eFoods Direct products are made with only the best ingredients and none of the trash and contaminants like trans fats, GMOs, or MSG. This food is nutrient-dense and tastes great. It's simple to make, portable, and has a shelf life of up to 25 years. Now with eFoods Direct, you'll get the most affordable, best-tasting food you can buy. To celebrate the beginning of summer, you can save 20% off their already affordable prices. This offer ends on June 20th, so take advantage of the summer savings now. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex for specials. Don't let this offer pass you by. Call 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. More the best for less guaranteed. Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have Bryce Abel and Richard Dolan. AD After Disclosures, the book with Gene and Chris and the Paracast. We're talking about the cultural interactions, the response, what's going to happen to organized religion, to the oil industry, everything like that. But what if we learn that maybe E.T. isn't so friendly towards us? We're kind of thinking of E.T. either being agnostic towards us, we're just here and they're just trying to figure out what we are, or maybe they had some impact into our civilization early on in terms of genetic engineering. But what if they don't wish us well, as a certain famous scientist has suggested? Hawking uh, speaks for me on that one. I I think it's entirely possible that there's a – well, you know, one of the things you do when you write a screenplay, you try to have the characters have a marketplace of ideas. There's different characters who look at the same situation from different points of view, and that's what gives you the drama and the conflict. There's nothing that has uh, been revealed other than people's good wishes that everything be sweetness and light. There may be far more than one particular type of others who have been visiting us. There may be some that are neutral, some that are positive, and some that are negative. I would just remind everybody that technology alone doesn't guarantee that anybody is particularly good. The Nazis had the best technology. They weren't good. We have great technology now. We're a mixed bag. We may be in a fight right now, a secret fight that we're unaware of, or uh, we may be holding one at bay. Uh, There may be all kinds of reasons uh, why the people who manage the secret have maintained it all these years. And, you know, I I don't think either Rich or I take the position that disclosure must happen simply because these evil people have kept it from us. We don't really know what their motivations are entirely. I think what Rich and I have come to the conclusion of, and this is sort of how we we conclude our book, is it doesn't really matter what the truth is. After six or seven decades, uh, it's time for us to hear it, and we'll simply have to handle it, whatever it is. So I think your point and Hawking's point, very well taken. It, it, It could be a very mixed bag. One of the points that we made, if just, I can add here, is that it's very possible, very likely, that at the moment of disclosure, that really all of the answers are not out on the table. And in fact, the president and his, his or her people around the president may not really know the answers as well. The, those secret keepers may not have a complete handle on the motivations of these other beings uh, if there's one group or multiple groups. And so what we may be in for is a very unsatisfying situation where we have enough knowledge to know and to prove that there are other beings here, but not necessarily enough knowledge to know all, all about their motivations, to be able to bring one gray alien and put him on the, the podium with the president. So there, there's very likely, there's a very good chance that there's going to be generations worth of debate and argument about these beings. So disclosure, it's not going to be the end of it's debates the on this. It's the beginning of, 
a new fight for truth, really which, a new try of understanding. Which, Rich, by the way, that that is completely uh, dovetails into our uh, 1960s uh, with technology analogy. If you think about it again, the art, we're saying disclosure is the analogy for Vietnam and, and JFK, but what's the after-disclosure part of it? Well, what happened? We saw this giant Watergate conspiracy. What did you know and when did you know it? Gene, uh, well, one of the things that we are very big on is that the system doesn't immediately change itself. It just looks at this really major, interesting, phenomenally compelling situation through the prism of its old ways. So, yeah, there will be congressional investigations. There will be there might even be troop commissions like there were in South Africa trying to get to the bottom of this. It's quite possible that uh, Rich, what Rich said is actually the way it will go down, that not everything will be dumped out as a full disclosure. It's not like they're going to send us all hard drives full of photos and videos and documents. They'll probably peel it out a little bit at a time. So when you talk about gradual disclosure, there may be gradual pre-disclosure, but there may be gradual post-disclosure as well. What about the possibility here that we've had interactions with them and that this disclosure process is part of that interaction. Yeah. uh, There have been rumors and leaks for more than 50, 60 years that there have been meetings going right back to the infamous leak or rumor about Eisenhower uh, in 1954 meeting with ETs. Uh, Is it possible? Of course it's possible. Of course it's possible. So if there has been collusion and communication in some way, this is certainly going to be on the table for discussion. Well, certainly congressmen would say you're traitors. Because you're colluding with this other race, some you're colluding with the aliens. That's not yes. proper. Some would say that, and some would undoubtedly offer a defense of that. Yeah, I, I don't think it would go either either way necessarily. It depends on how it, what they're talking about, and and also it just there's so many assumptions that are embedded in a lot of these issues, and the answer goes back to well, it depends. When you say, are we talking to them? Well, do you talk to the others the way that we're having this conversation where it's a give and take? Don't know. They may have a different way of, of speaking to themselves and, and to us, whether it's uh, psychic or verbal. Who knows? We don't know about some of those things. And the, and the other thing is we have a hard time talking to humans and figuring out if they're telling the truth to us or not. And quite often they're not. I mean, I was a, a CNN correspondent and an investigative reporter in another lifetime. And all I can say is I've been lied to by experts, people that will look you in the eye and tell you a whopper of a story that's just plain not true. And they almost could pass a lie detector test on it because they believe it so much. So who's to say that an alien intelligence has the same concept of what truth is as we do, or that if they did have the same concept, that they would choose to follow that concept. So we're, we're in for a, a brave new world here. And of course, it could be a prime directive. You know, we joke about that with Star Trek, but they have certain edicts that they follow as to what they tell a more primitive race. What can they say about themselves? Yes, it would be very difficult for us if we time traveled back a thousand years. Think about this. We've run into the most intelligent group of humans on planet Earth circa year 1000. What could we really tell them about our world today without their heads exploding? Realistically, you could only say so much. And these other beings, if they're benign, could still have to be, they might be very limited 
and what they feel that they can tell us for the same reasons. I mean, the, the, the thing that I think both Richard and I have experienced through different ways. I mean, Rich has been writing about this uh, in a nonfiction way longer than, than I have. And I've been doing it uh, from, the, from the fictional point of view prior to this. But both of us have encountered, because of what we've done, people who are credible witnesses who have come up and told us incredible stories. And many of those stories have buried in them or on the surface uh, of them seem a little disconcerting that the ultimate reality behind the story from this credible witness is yeah. that things could be a little troubling and that there it's not a perfect situation at all. And I, honestly, that's what I kind of come down to in my own personal beliefs. And again, that I, I have nothing better than than my own experience and interpretations, but it sure sounds to me like it's a, a, a vastly more complex problem than one group of ETs has come here uh, to study the planet. I don't think that's what's yeah. happening. It could be ourselves from the future. It could be a parallel universe. It could be some kind of cultural conditioning to accept new realities. We don't know what the answer is, and we're all speculating, aren't we? Well, each of us, we Bryce got. and I, have, have uh, we've come across our own uh, stories, our own people who've given us some, some very chilling and I would even say upsetting uh, stories about, you know, the reality of this and, and the whole secrecy scenario around it, uh, which we did include at various points in A.D., uh, the basic idea of, of high-level government people being deeply upset over what they apparently learned relating to this topic. Um, you know, we both come across these types you, of stories. You have to ask that one of the things that we talk about in the book is if you uh, back in my news days, the, the every newscast had to answer the question, are you safe? If it was a national newscast, that would be, are we at war? If it was a local newscast, is there a rapist loose in a particular community? Are you safe? Well, the same is true of this issue. Are we safe? That's what we want to know from disclosure. In order to figure out if we're safe, we need to know a couple of uh, answers to a couple of very vexing questions. The first is, who are they? Because we're not sure of that yet. And then the second and most important one is, what do they want? And we'll if know more about what our sponsors want. First, <laughs> with Richard Dolan and Bryce Abel, with Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. 
In a coming apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. 37 things to hoard. Do you have the 37 crucial food items you can't survive without? When disaster hits and mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves, your family may be without food or waiting in long food lines. Prepare now at 123survivalplan.com. That's 123survivalplan.com. Many people don't have these 37 food items. Learn what you need to hoard now at 123survivalplan.com. Watch the video over 1 million people of you to discover the 37 food items that will sell out first when disaster strikes at 123survivalplan.com. Now at DeseretFoodStore.com, sign up for a one-month supply of delicious food for only $99 with free shipping. That's right, only $99. Gourmet restaurant-style meals with a 30-year shelf life. Packaged in heavy-duty Mylar bags for easy transport and freshness. Meals like stroganoff, lasagna, teriyaki, five-bean chili, granola pancakes, and much more. Visit DeseretFoodStore.com, spelled D-E-S-E-R-E-T, FoodStore.com, or call 801-444-1444. Food for now, food for life. 37 things to hoard. Do you have the 37 crucial food items you can't survive without? When disaster hits and mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves, your family may be without food or waiting in long food lines. Prepare now at 123survivalplan.com. That's 123survivalplan.com. Many people don't have these 37 food items. Learn what you need to hoard now at 123survivalplan.com. Watch the video over 1 million people of you to discover the 37 food items that will sell out first when disaster strikes at 123survivalplan.com. Emergency Essentials has Mountain House deals in June. Going on now, Emergency Essentials, the 24-year leader in emergency preparedness supplies, does it again. With up to 25% off Mountain House foods. Don't miss these savings. All Mountain House number 10 cans are 20 to 25% off during the month of June only at BePrepared.com. Mountain House foods have superior taste and a scientifically proven 25-year shelf life because they start with fresh or frozen foods, then cook, prepare, and finally freeze dry them all the goodness flavor and taste are locked in as if handmade from scratch mountain house the same great meals enjoyed by campers and outdoorsmen the world over hurry now through june 30th call 800-999-1863 to experience exceptional customer service and the beprepared.com low price guarantee that's 800-999-1863 the choice is clear be unprepared or beprepared.com This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, The Gold Standard of Paranormal Radio. Don't forget, neighbors, you can also find us on Twitter. That's where we are. We are the Paracast on Twitter. So send us a tweet if you have some comments to make about the show. This discussion has just flown by. I mean, we just sit here and say disclosure, we can go on. For another 12 hours, and that's why Rich Dolan and Bryce Abel will be back, we'll be back. even without the Austrian accent. Here. Yes. <laughs> Chris, we have any more questions from our audience before we go on? Well, we do, and it, it kind of dovetails nicely with the, uh, with the comment that you just made in the last segment, Gene, about, uh, about the true nature of these uh, non-human entities. And I, I'm always uh, – 
I always go back to the uh, the interesting Terrence McKenna quote. Uh, he says, uh, are we dealing with another tenant in the building? I mean, where do you guys come down on the possibility that we're, we're dealing with something that's as terrestrial as we are? It just is couching itself as being something off planet. I mean, how much of a possibility do you see for, for a scenario like that being uh, the case? Mm-hmm. One of our chapters specifically addresses this type of an issue. Uh, you know, who are they? What are they? There's all of these types of possibilities. You've got the, the obvious one that people have talked about for years, the extraterrestrial possibility, which does still, even today, have a, a certain amount of logic to it. But you've got other reasons to think that there are other types of solutions. Are they a homegrown type of intelligence? Uh, this is certainly a possibility is are they an ancient kind of broken away civilization uh, a a group of humans that somehow discovered a secret that enabled them to to break away and move ahead of the rest of us poor slobs who weren't in on on the fast track and they are now in appearance as as extraterrestrials or as gods that type of thing although if we have to vote uh, i would I would say I see less evidence and anecdotal stories that would lead me to believe that they were another tenant in the building. I think they're somebody who's come to visit our building. I I tend to agree with Bryce on this, but there are these other possibilities. And then you have the question of dimensions. Uh, Undoubtedly, Terrence McKenna would be particularly interested in that. Uh, Are these entities that inhabit some other dimension of reality, whatever that means? Because really, when you hear people talking about dimensions, it's almost never in a truly scientific way. We just say, oh, yeah, there's another dimension. Well, maybe there is another dimension, and maybe there are entities that inhabit that. That's certainly another possibility. Okay, well, we, we do have some questions, but we pretty much covered everything at the questions. Uh, a lot of it is just people commenting, really. Um, let's see. Hold on. Well, I would like to just throw something out there if I could. Um, one of the things that we tried to do in the book that I think is different is we, we ask ourselves uh, if we could end it differently. And so what we attempted to do is we sort of brought closure to all the things that we have discussed in this book is tried to say, okay, there's three interest groups here. There's those of us here on planet Earth who want to know more. There are uh, the others who are visiting us from somewhere. And then there's the people who have been managing the secrets. And all of these people, all these groups have different interests. And yet we all come together under the umbrella of disclosure. So in our final chapter, we actually look forward to, to and speak directly to these groups about what they need to do to manage this transition most effectively. And I think the one thing that we certainly are strongly of a belief uh, by writing this book is that we are in a transition. This age this that we're living in now is going to be looked at uh, by people in the future as they look back and say, that was the moment where the switch got flipped from B.C. before confirmation to A.D. after disclosure. That's why we picked the title, because we honestly believe that this version of A.D. is probably more important than the previous version of what A.D. meant, and that that these different groups need to be talked about, and we need to come together, and we need to find common cause. And so to the others, we simply say, it's time. It's over. You know, whatever you're here for, let us know. To the secret keepers, we say, you had 70 years to deal with this. Um, how about now getting off that position and bringing all of us in on it? And to everyone else, we just say, get yourselves ready because hold on, it's coming. That's right. That's right. 
And actually, if I can just add one other really important theme to, to our book, and I know this is as important to Bryce as it is to me, is uh, in our, our next to last chapter, which we called Exopolitics Rising. You know, you think about the political, both national and international ramifications of disclosure. I don't know if any of us really can can see this whole thing because it's just so big. But obviously, it's going to be a major, major part uh, of any uh, historical writing about this period. You know, 100 years from now, when they look back, uh, people will be dealing and looking at this uh, global political transformation. Uh, and and one of our motivations in writing this book is is to to show that I mean there are there are a couple of paths here that the world can go in a post disclosure world. One of those paths it be would be like a global police state, a, a fascist state. Uh, we we'd be fools to say that this is not possible. After all. You're a government uh, or a clique. You're looking at this phenomenon and you're seeing it very possibly spin out of control. And there's going to have to be a temptation to create a kind of police state to keep everyone under as tight control as possible. It's already happening. Well, exactly. Exactly. But here's the thing. Here's the other side of it. Okay. Think of the Arab Spring. Think of the Occupy movement and then multiply it by many, many factors, because that's what is going to happen in a, in a post-disclosure scenario. So it's not all going to be on one side. You're going to have a lot of millions and millions and millions of very, very angry people. Uh, Wackenhut security might be able to stop 10 people from breaking into Area 51. Can they stop a million? I don't know. Uh, we're going to be in a situation where political leaders around the world are going to have to make a decision. And they're going to have to decide, essentially, where, do, where am I coming down on this? Am I going to side with those groups and powers that essentially put me into this office, that is the, the controlling group that's behind every major political leader in the world, or am I going to take a stand on the side of the people? Am I going to, am I going to do the right thing, or am I going to do what maybe is more politically natural to me? And who, I don't, no one knows the answer to that, but this is going to be an important decision that will be made. And, and one of the things that we would like to think is that it will be possible to take the high road, not the low road, not the dark road. That, in other words, for political leaders to t- have courage and to say, we are going, A, to shine light on the culture of runaway secrecy, which has hitherto dominated this topic. We can do it. We can create formalized structures globally that allow people truly to have a democratic, publicly kind of open and shared system uh, in which people do have a voice, that it doesn't have to be a system of of fascism that takes over. There can be a better way. And this is something that really we, we both spent a lot of effort on in, in really the, the final lengthy chapter of the book. Now, the book is called, we're just about out of time. Let me just do the wrap. The book is AD, After Disclosure. There's a new edition available now, and there's a site that you have devoted to the subject, which you can tell us about quickly, Rich. Yeah, afterdisclosure.com. It's a blog site that Bryce and I have had running for a while. We've got a lot of articles up there that he has written, that I've written, and also that guest authors have also 
written for us. It's a very active and I would say a very vibrant and varied type of site. We even have a, an even more active Facebook page that currently has 3,800 people on it. Uh, that's at uh, facebook.com backslash after disclosure. And that's where the dialogue with people is, is happening. We encourage people to drop yeah. by there as well. We also encourage people who would like to see the Dark Skies TV show be reborn as a movie or another TV series. Where do you go for that, Bryce? Well, I'll tell you, Dark Skies was and is an ongoing debate about disclosure, whether the people have a right to know or the people can't handle the truth. And you can join that campaign by giving your Facebook love or like to uh, Facebook.com backslash Dark Skies UFO. And I've already done that. And we all love Chris O'Brien's site, which is OurStrangePlant.com, very close to the debut of the new version. Right, Chris? Correct. It should be this the week prior to this broadcast. And by the way, folks, if you want to get in touch with us on Facebook, there is an official Paracast fan club. On Twitter, we are the Paracast, our forum where you can post questions in the question bank, forum.theparacast.com. Rich Dolan, Bryce Sable, thank you both for joining us this week on the Paracast. Thanks very much, Gene. It was a pleasure as always. Gene, we just want to leave by saying we're contact optimists and we wish for the best. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>